0: turn tonight into 1 John chapter 2. We're going to deal with two words out of two different portions of scripture. I want to cover some areas just somehow reason feel feel that's what we need to do. That's what the Lord put on my heart. May cover some more but I realize these two is probably all we're going to have time for. And we're going to look at them while you're turning to 1 John chapter 2. I'll kind of give you some things that uh, of updates that you've probably seen or at least heard of. Somebody sent me a, a a picture this week of how gas in California had a gas sign at a station. And uh, gas is $7.99 in California. I talked to somebody today, a preacher's wife. I talked to a preacher's wife today said... Uh, they having problems that some of their people now having trouble getting you know, getting enough gas, and some of them are having to ride double and paying fifty dollars a week to be able to double ride. the email or fifty dollars in a whole week to ride to save gas. So people are having to work it, and then I got another picture from somebody and said that diesel. Uh, well, it, didn't, it was just a picture, just a thing. It said diesel was around almost $6 in South Carolina. And so you said, what you you say? All? Just to let you know, did you hear on the news that um, Washington State and some other states are doing it? They're changing their gas pumps to be able to trigger the gas when it goes to t- over $10 a gallon. They won't work uh, now uh up to that point so they're changing them so that it will register and uh that's happening across the the states washington state is the first one to do that and then when you hear about baby food and uh all this some of this stuff is planned i can't tell you what's going on so much but i'm not alarmed i just trust god Now, i do bother it does bother me about baby food i don't have a baby to feed but uh it does concern me about babies all right there's reasons for that some things happen but it's kind of planned i believe that things could be changed and i'm not going to get into that part tonight let's turn to the book of first john chapter two i want to read verse one and two and then i'll pray the bible said my little children these things write I unto you. I preached on that a few weeks ago. One of the reasons why this book's written that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. Notice that word tonight advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only. But also for the sins of the whole world. I want to start off tonight with the word advocate. And we want to look at that tonight. Some might not know what an advocate is. You should. And you probably can guess at it. But I want to talk about it for just a little bit tonight. I'm glad I've got one. I'm glad he served me well. And we'll talk about that tonight. Let's pray. Father, give us wisdom and understanding. Help us, Lord, to lift and exalt and magnify the Lord Christ. I pray tonight, Father, you'll open our minds of understanding that we might hear from heaven, that, Lord, you might speak to my mind. It might be touching to my heart and may haunt my heart. Lord, come back tonight and give what needs to be given from the throne of God and may the hearts and minds of these people be open that we'd go home saying it's been good to be down to the Lord's house. And Father, we heard something from the Word of God that helped us. Now, Lord, I don't know what we need. You do. And I pray, Father, that you take my mind and heart into, into hand and into control. And may the Spirit of God direct my thought, my speech, and my pattern of mind tonight, God, that I might say that which is needful and necessary, May I not get bogged down in what I shouldn't be, or what I should not be bogged in. Lord, may I say that which needs to be spoken even tonight, if it hasn't been thought of before I got here. And I pray, God, you'd have your will and way, and every single thing is done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Now this word advocate, one time in the Bible, amen. You say, why in the world are you preaching on a word that's just mentioned one time? Well... The word advocate is mentioned one time. But now, uh, the true meaning of the advocate is more than once. What it really means. Now, write this down. And I'm no Greek scholar. I ain't even a Greek student good. I took Greek, amen, two years. And uh, you know about what Greek I know. It was Greek the whole two years for me. Amen. Amen. But I have looked at some of them and sometimes I get it. This word advocate in the Greek is parakletos, parakletos, p-a-r-a-k-l-e-t-o-s. That's in the Greek. Uh, you said, where'd you get that? Out of the Greek. Uh, you can find the same thing out of a Strong's concordance when you go home. Amen. And I'm not impressing you, I just want you to know that. Now that parakletos means tonight, Comforter, or as this word says, advocate. Now we know tonight that comforter is mentioned many times in the Bible. And advocate is only mentioned one time. If you look up the meanings of the word advocate, it means somebody that's been summoned. And they're summoned to come alongside an individual and come to that one person's aid. Amen. And uh, it means tonight, one who pleads for another's cause before a judge. Amen. And you use this advocate in uh, many times in the physical law, where the people are standing before a judge to be sentenced for some crime committed or something that they have been accused of, and sometimes found guilty of. This word advocate means tonight one who pleads for uh, 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 somebody that's guilty or somebody that's not guilty as far as that's concerned. They plead for the innocence or they plead for the guilty. Uh, Another thought is an intercessor. We know there's an intercessor, don't we? Now, who's our intercessor? The Lord Jesus Christ. And he intercedes for you and for me, and I'm glad that I've got one tonight. An intercessor is somebody who pleads for one's pardon for the sin that they have committed or for the crime that they have committed. So we look at that. This is a one-time thing in the Word of God. In other words, if I want to sum it up into one word tonight, He's our heavenly lawyer. Amen. Amen. Now, you don't go to court without a lawyer most of the time. You know what the court says? If you don't have the money to afford one, we'll appoint you one. Because even the land knows that we need to have a lawyer. Now, you'd have a good lawyer and a bad lawyer, but if you got Christ... Amen. You don't need nothing else. Praise God, especially for the Lord. Now, I want to clear up something out of verse 2. And then we'll go to the next word, which I'm going to spend more time on. I've dealt with this business of advocate before. And uh, it's just one little word, but it carries so much. And we can preach on advocate all night. An advocate is somebody that's qualified. An advocate is somebody that knows the law. An evidence is somebody tonight uh, That knows the right and the wrong Who else but the Lord Jesus Could be that person He wrote the law He gave the law He ordained the law He instructed people by the law He knows where you're right Or whether you're wrong Some judges can make a decision tonight That you're wrong when you are right They can make a decision That you're right when you are wrong But our advocate in heaven tonight don't do that. Amen. Amen. You'll never find the Lord Jesus uh, at the right hand of the Father being an advocate tonight to try to get you innocent, amen, when you are guilty. Amen. Instead, he's got another process. He's not going to convince the Lord God that you're innocent. God has never uh, been convinced tonight that I'm innocent. He knows I was born in sin. He told me I was. He told me that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ain't that right? None of us tonight is perfect. None of us are right. So what does he do? In verse number 2, the Bible says that this advocate does something else. And he is the propitiation. Amen. That scares Baptists to death. They don't know about them words. Many of them have never taken time to see what a propitiation is. Well, let's look at that just a minute. And He is the propitiation for our sins. If you don't have a propitiation for your sins, you're on your way to hell. You'll never make it to heaven without a propitiation. You said, who's the propitiation? The same one that your advocate how does he do that? Does he prove you innocent? Ain't nobody in this building's ever been proven innocent. Hey, if, I don't, if that shocks you, good. I'm glad. I hope it shocks you well. You're not innocent. Nobody's innocent. Amen. We're all guilty before God. Well, you said, what does it mean? It means that He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Amen. Now let me just explain this to you a little bit. We have to go to the Old Testament to do it. And I'll just refer to some of it. When that little old Jew brought or for his family or for himself, or when the priest brought one for himself... They brought a lamb and they put it before the priest. The priest examined that little lamb or that goat or that bullock or whatever it was that he offered before God. He inspected it. He looked everywhere, behind his ears, under his legs. He looked every single place to make sure there was not any spot nor any blemish. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. Amen. Remember that. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. Hey, I want to say that again because I don't think it sunk in. This is important. That lamb had to be a perfect sacrifice. I remember this morning talking about the lamb that the, the Jew might have used to get rid of the sickly one of his flock so he wouldn't lose two, two lambs. And he uh, tried to hide it behind the back of God, and I said it didn't work. Well let me tell you when that priest looked that little lamb over he looked and if there was a scar somewhere on that little Jew, ju- I mean on that little lamb if there was a scratch somewhere on that little lamb if there was a crooked foot a man or a crooked nose or if one ear was longer than the other amen anything any kind of blemish whatsoever the priest said, you cannot use that lamb. Had to use the perfect lamb. Amen. Amen. So he takes that lamb after he figures it out. And sees there's no problems with it. And that priest cuts the throat of that little old lamb. And catches the blood in a basin. And goes and sprinkles the blood. He puts the rest of it on the altar. And he burns that lamb and of course, all the different types of—we're not getting into all the different types of of uh, sacrifices tonight. But he catches that blood, and he takes that blood, and he goes into the holy place. He's in the outer court where the where the little lamb is slain. Then he takes him to the inner court uh, at the holy place, and he sprinkles that blood on the on the uh, the, the, the the three. Pieces of furniture that's in there, the laver. Uh, well, no, the laver's on the outside. He sprinkles it on the candlestick, the table of showbread, and the and uh, the altar of incense. He puts it on them three pieces. Sprinkles it on there. Well, that's still not good enough. If he come out, that lamb or that uh, would not have covered the sin of the Jew. So the priest had to go one more step behind the veil. Behind the veil was the Ark of the Covenant, and the Mercy Seat. Inside the uh, Ark of the Covenant was the Golden Pot of Manna, Amen, and the Rod that budded, and uh, and what, what's the other? In the... Uh, is one more, huh? Ten Commandments. Ten Are y'all the Word of God? And that's what I want you to say. I wondered if you remembered. I about almost forgot it. But here's what I was thinking. The Word of God. And it was by the Word of God. And that priest is sprinkling the blood on the mercy seat. And when he came back out with those bells on his garments. Still ringing. He couldn't sit down in there because there was nothing to sit on. He come back out, and that little Jew says, if he'd done it for his family, he said, My family and myself, God has accepted our sacrifice, and that little lamb has become a propitiation. It's a covering for my sin. Now that's what the propitiation is. All right? And that happened all the way through the Old Testament. Is that clear? Sometimes we don't get on all that and we forget about it. But you got to keep it in mind. So then we come to the end of the Old Testament and Christ comes into the world. He is without sin. He is the perfect Lamb. When He stands before Pilate and He stands before Herod. Amen. One washes their hand and said, I find. Amen. No problem with him. Amen. I can't find it. You know what he's saying? He's the perfect lamb. I see no reason why you should crucify him. There's not enough evidence to prove him guilty or prove him as a sinner. Amen. And that's why God recorded that in your Bible. So the Lord Jesus went to the cross of Calvary and they uh, and I started to say slew him there, but they didn't. They crucified him. Somebody said they killed him. No, they didn't kill him. He laid down his life willingly, and he willingly took it up again. When he rose on the third day. He ascended. You remember when Mary said, "Oh, oh uh, Rabbi, and I, or whatever it was, or Master, or something," and he said, "Touch me not. I'm not yet ascended into heaven." He ascended back into heaven in that blood. He not only was the sacrifice, but He was the heavenly priest. No man on earth could take that blood and put it on the mercy seat, but the Son of God who died for us. And He sprinkled that blood on the mercy seat And now when God sees you because you have a perfect lamb because you believed in Him and trusted Him and repented of your sin God looks at you He don't see your sin He has become the perpetuation and He has covered and washed away your sin and it's not there anymore and never will be because the blood will keep it clean. Now that's basically in a nutshell what the perpetuation is. Is that plain enough, we can make it a little plainer, but we don't have the time, so we know tonight that we have a paracletos, a paracletos, our advocate that stands in the gap. Now, every once in a while, the devil will jump up on your case and said, That ain't real, you're not genuine, you just went through emotion. Amen. Well, I'll tell you this much. Uh, You who are saved by the grace of God know better. If you have been to Calvary and the blood's been applied. And you have confessed your sin, repented your sin. You know beyond anybody else tonight that your heart's been washed in the blood. And you're not going to stand for it. And you can take him to Calvary. You can take him back to the time and place. But if he puts a doubt in your mind, you can't get a time and a place. Brother, I'll tell you now, you better be doing something about it. Amen. Amen. And he don't do too much of that because if he's already got you, he don't usually try to make you think that you're lost. That's right. Amen. If he's already got you, he wants to keep you away from Calvary. If he's already got you, he wants to keep you away from the preaching of the Word of God, especially what I'm preaching now. He'll want you to stay away from the blood. He'll want you to stay away from good, strong, hard preaching of the Word of God that brings conviction. That's right, man. That's why he sends you down to the country, uh, to the churches that have got crowds and don't have anything but crowds. That's right, man. That's why he won't put you under the preaching of the Word of God. That's why uh, we'll put you somewhere where uh, they're half singing, half country and half western and. Uh, half rock and roll. That's why I want your, uh, you to go to churches got bands and all that kind of junk. Play toys and all that. It's because he don't want anything to happen that'll bring conviction. Preaching like I'm doing tonight to somebody that ain't heard the gospel, it'll disturb them. And the devil don't want you disturbed if he's already got you. Amen. And if you already got disturbed tonight... You can figure out what side you're on. Because what I preach should already have blessed you. Amen. 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 Should put the spell on you. You know what I'm talking about now. All right? You should be excited. You hear a preacher preach about Christ and Him dying on the cross of Calvary. You hear a preacher preaching about the Word of God and how real it is. And you hear a preacher talking about things that we should do and should not do. And the Word of God is plain and clear. Hey, you're just getting it, enjoy it. Amen. And if you're enduring it, you got problems. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go to the next one. Get rid of this ladybug. Amen. Now, let's turn our Bible and go to 1 Timothy. Amen. devil done tried to send a ladybug up here for me to swallow. All right. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. I want to look at another word. It's probably a word you haven't heard too much about. You've heard it, but that's the one I want to deal with tonight. we got a lot of it. They don't call it that so much, but we got a lot of it. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to start reading it, verse number 13, and we'll come down to that word. Paul is saying, and 1 Timothy 6:13 I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth that word means made alive and a TH on it means he keeps you made alive quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that thou keep this commandment without spot unrebukable unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we could talk about the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we've done a lot of that lately. We'll just skip that one tonight. That's not the word we want to look at. Verse 15, we find the word that we want to notice. Which in his times he shall show. Who? Christ. Who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. I want to read one more verse. He says in verse 16, Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto unto, uh, whom no man hath seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Now did you see that big old word potentate? That word potentate is only mentioned one time in the Bible. And uh, the Greek is something like this. D-U-N-A-S-T-E-S. dunastes. That's the Greek word for it. And it means simply in two words. And I'm going to give you some more. It means power and dominion. Let me get rid of this. Bug. All right. Power and dominion. And so we think about it tonight. That word potentate means mighty. Of great authority. Or high office. We've got people in this world that loves that phrase. They even claim that honor. I'll give you a couple. I'll give you at least two. And then we'll talk about some of the others. Well, the first one that comes to my mind is what we call the Shriners. I don't know. Now, I don't know where you know anything about it. And if you've got relatives in the Shriners and, of course, uh, somebody asked me some time ago, and I use this every time, do you know what a mason is? I said, yes, he's one who lays brick and rock Said, do you know what a shriner is? I said, yeah, he's a drunk mason. (laughs) I went to a funeral about 10 years ago. And uh, this fellow was having a shriner's funeral. Well, he wasn't, but they were having it for him. And uh, I was standing on the porch of the church when they come up. And they come up through there with their little aprons on all dressed out in their stuff and they come in there and I looked and I said, what are we doing, having a barbecue? They didn't pay me no attention, they just went right on. Amen. But they believe, and do you know who the headmaster of the the Shriners, what he's called? He's called the Imperial Potentate. He's the imperial potentate. Now can you imagine that? Somebody said, I don't know too much about the shriners. Good, thank God for it. Stay away from them. Don't ever learn. Just take my word for it. And if you don't like it, amen, you'll have to dig out something on it, but I'd rather you not. Right now they have 195,000 members around the world. There's over 200 shrine clubs. They like that little fez hat. That's what they call it, fez hat. You know, little red fez hat. Have you ever run into that? That fez hat was put out in 1872. And uh, from Morocco, fez Morocco, by the way. It's red to memorialize the color of the blood and the Muslim victories over the Christians in that day. If you want to upset one of them when they're walking down the street, look at them, and they're blowing their horns and running their crazy little bicycles and... uh, Things and running back and forth and taking flips and doing that. Hiding behind children's homes or children's hospitals. That's how they get by with it. Most Christians wouldn't say anything against the Shriners. Some of y'all probably have given them money down days past. I hate you have and I hope you hadn't. But shame on you if you have. And I pray God break your leg the next time you give to them. Amen. I'm not being mean. I've never given to the Shriners or to the Masons. I don't back neither one of them. Amen. And I don't care. You can give me all the pity you want to about the kids. And brother, I'll tell you, they're doing a good job. I have to give them that credit today that they've done a great job for the kids. But it's a hide-behind junk. I know that makes people mad and I, I guess I enjoy making people mad as it seems like it any. I don't want to. But sometimes I have to cover ground that people won't cover. If you want to make, get one upset, you're coming down the road and you say, hey, tell me why your hat's red. Tell me why your hat's red. Tell me how come your hat's red. They just keep them marching. They don't want you to know, Amen. And some of them will say, "Well, that's what they say, but it ain't so." Study it out. All right. So they got the potentate. He's got all authority, and he's he's the imperial potentate, and he has all the leadership. And he is a mighty fella. You don't mess with the potentate. You said, preacher, don't you have a potentate? Uh Uh-huh. I read it. Which in his times he shall show who is the blessed, and look at that next word, only, only potentate. The king of kings and lord of lords can you tell me who the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is? Say it. The Lord Jesus Christ. It ain't a shriner potentate. He's a mock. Then the second one I want to mention today, I done ruffled too many feathers on that one, so we'll go to the next one. Some of you I'm just informing you. And some of you don't care. And some of you might get mad. But you'll get over it. Prove me wrong. The second one is in the Catholic Church where you find the potentate. The Pope is called a potentate. He's called the pontiff. He's called the Pope. He's called the leader of the world. He's called the head of the universal church. Did you know that? He's noted as a potentate. He's got more authority than any preacher in the world. As far as the world is concerned. But not according to what God says. That's right. Amen. It's more ideal to be a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ than to be the Pope of all the world. Matter of fact, it's better to be a preacher of the righteousness of God than it is to be the president or the monarch of any country or any leader. I thank God that it's the highest position that any man could ever have. No wonder women try to get it. That's why you have women preachers, so-called. They want that high position. I'll tell you right now, a preacher of righteousness and a preacher of the Bible will be more despised than any other preacher of the world. It kind of tickled me this week about Nancy Pelosi. God forgive me for mentioning... But the Pope, or not her, not the Pope, but her priest says, not going to minister communion to her because she's against, or she's for abortion. And they're against, <laughs> did y'all see that in the news? You didn't see that? So, you did, all right. And, uh, oh, they, they, they've had a thing. And I some little wimp come on there and, and they sent me back another little news thing. you didn't send it to me, but I got it, and it said something like this well that that priest is just he's just a little bit too strong on this. He should be lenient on these. Listen, the Catholic Church has been known down through the years to be against abortion, but look what it's doing now. Amen. You said, well preacher, I got some friends in the Catholic Church. Well, amen. You ain't discussed the Bible with them or they wouldn't be your friend. You start telling them about Jesus Christ and the shed blood and tell them you can't pray to Mary. You tell them that they're wrong in the Bible about purgatory. You hear me? You tell them about some of the other stuff, infant baptism, and you'll lose them in a heartbeat. And so, we look at this. Why in the world would the Pope be upset about all these things? Did you know I believe, and I'm going to make a statement tonight, and I know they won't like it, and anybody gets up, listen, I'm preaching this around the world. I am. And I know what I say here can get me in trouble. But I believe the Pope and the Catholic Church tonight probably is the prettiest most beautiful religion of all the world because it's got all the different rituals and things, but I believe it's the most wicked of all the religions of the world. Amen. Here we are in America t- trying to fight um, transgenderism, homosexuals, and all that, and the Pope and all his belief on the priest that can't get married has driven those men to chasing the altar boys. And that's about as wicked as you can get. Amen. Amen. Amen! And you know what? They called them, found out about it. They swept a the lot under the rugs. It never comes to trial. It never comes to court. And because the potentate is so powerful, you had Baptists doing that. The Baptists would be out of business in just a little while. Amen. What happens, it comes out every once in a while and we put people out of the ministry just because of that stuff. Amen. And say, so you can't preach no more. But what they do is move them to a different location and they go ahead and practice and so-called straighten up. Yeah. And it's still wicked to the core. I didn't mention this a while ago, and I was talking about the Shriners, but the Shriners have all kinds of places across America, and they they hobnob with the Muslims. Yeah. Study it. Yeah. They hobnob with the Muslims. Can you, let's think about that. You got the Mormons, you got the Islams, the Muslims, and the Catholics. And those religious systems of the world are destroying the world. It really is. Amen. The Mormons. Started by Joseph Smith who got his information for Moroni, the angel. And they got him a book called the Book of Mormon. Bring them young. Took it on after that and kept on going with it. And they have different wives. More than one at a time. Most of all you... Religions like that do it. Amen. You have the Seven Day Adventist who was started by LNG White, who has wrote book after book. She's got the biggest book or the greatest book that people have said about. It. I don't think too much of it, but it's called The Great Controversy. If you got that in your library tonight, sell a match to it, cut it all to pieces, get rid of it. Amen. She's wrote 5,000 articles, 40 books in her lifetime. She's dead now. They called her a prophetess of the Seven day Adventist. A called me up one night and he said, Preacher, I got you some books. I said, You did? He said, Yeah, I know you like books. I said, He said, I found a bunch of them. And they said they were free and I got every one of them. I said, What are they? He said, well, the first one I'm looking at says the great controversy. I said, G White. He said, yeah. I said, get them in the trash somewhere. I don't want them. Amen. I just happen to know that one. And uh, so that's enough for me to keep, keep out of clear. Job was Witness started out with Charles Taz Russell. All these religions of the world. Deny Christ and His deity. You can hang them on all of them tonight. They don't know all that they need to know about Christ. Some of them sound good, some of them look good, some of them smell good. But I want to tell you tonight they're dangerous. I didn't know it's was going to get all that much out of the potentate word, but we find it tonight that they've got authority. Those those things I've mentioned tonight's got more authority than us old Baptists. You know what happened? Here comes a Jehovah's Witness to knock on your door, and you say, oh no, and uh, I don't want to deal with these Jehovah's Witnesses because mainly the first thing, most of your preachers have told you not to do it. And the reason the preachers has to tell you not to do it is simply because they know you're not capable of fighting them off. Yeah. They come into the area one day, as a matter of fact it was the Mormons, but the Jehovah's Witness do the same thing. They come in the area and I told them, I said, the Mormons are running up and down our community here and they're going to be coming to your house in a few days. And when you come to them, you tell them they're a false prophet. They're on their way to hell. And if they don't get saved through the blood of Christ, they're going to split hell wide open. And you tell them this preacher said it. So one come to that feller's house and he said, my preacher said you're a false religion. He said you're going to hell. And if you didn't get saved, you're going to die lost. And I wonder what he would have thought if he hadn't just repeated me. I don't want you to tell them what I said. I want you to know enough about them to be able to put them on the street. Why the why the Baptists and they you you search it out why the. Baptists want to run with the Jehovah's Witnesses. Why does the Baptists want to switch over to the Mormons? Why do they want to switch over to the Seventh-day Adventists? Because they've got something there that you don't get in the average church today and it's the preachers won't preach the truth to tell them what's going on. Amen. They're clapping their hands and running the aisles and, and I'm not against shouting and praising God. I do a little of it myself. It won't hurt you do a little of it. Hey, Amen. I get tired of us being dead all the time. Hey, Amen. The other day I thought I might, might call up them folks out there in California that runs that of uh, the walking dead and tell them I had about six or seven out here that would make good candidates <laughs> for the next movie. I didn't. You understand what I'm saying tonight? Some of us come in looking like we're dead. Already pale. Can't stand what is going Hey, God's people ought to know what the book says. Amen. And we ought to stay with the Word of God. Yeah. Amen. I don't want you to accept everything I've got to say. And then you got the Buddhists. And the Hindus. Amen. Going something, I know not too long ago, we went into, uh, this has been several years back, I say not too long, but several years back, we went into this place that was out of town, wasn't here. And I don't know where it was a McDonald's or a Burger King, but we went in the place and there set a statue of Buddha. And I'm saying, does these people know what they've got here in this place? Found out they didn't. It's just decoration. I went down to the hospital down here. Well, I don't know I think they moved it now. I was going in and out there when my wife is in the hospital I walked around and I seen some kind of statue sitting around the corner over there and I said, What in the world is that? Who'd want to house something like that sitting around? I drive up and down the country. Uh, one place over here on 115, there's some little things over, and it looks like little Mary is standing on the side of their driveway. I don't know if y'all seen them, but out to them. And I think, what in the world? You go in somebody's house and they got a picture of Jesus with a crown of thorns with a long hair, and he's on a cross. And you want to look at him and say, "Get that down! Jesus ain't on the cross. Amen. Amen. He's alive and well." I go in homes, and people got the little Marys with the little lavers. They got, you know, kind of well, fountains, I guess. I don't know what you call them. All kinds of. They got Catholic paraphernalia. Yeah. I wouldn't have no Catholic paraphernalia around here at our church for nothing in the world. I'm not identifying with that cult. Some of them like it. I got a Catholic Bible. Get rid of it. Or go join the Catholics. You'd feel at home over there. Amen. You said, preacher, what's wrong with you? <laughs> nothing. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm an old Baptist preacher saved by the grace of God. I love my Bible and I love the truth. And I don't want nothing that deviates from it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Okay, the Holy Spirit said shut up. Heads bowed. If I say any more, i probably going to make a